Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. It's Thursday, September 10th, 2020. This is Shannon, and I am here with Natalia, Kira, and Brooke. And we are talking about books centered around schools. Because at least where I live here in Michigan, people can't go to school right now. Um, you can go virtually, and I think a couple places have hybrids, but we are still pretty much um, not allowing schools to open. So it seemed like a fitting thing to talk about when people could go to schools and did. So before we dive into that, I'm going to do the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And then I'm going to start us off, followed by Kira and Brooke and Natalia. So my first pick tonight is one of my very, very favorite books. This is Unfinished Desires by Gail Godwin. And it is set in North Carolina in the 1950s. And we follow a group of girls who attend a private Catholic girls' school. And some girls actually live at the school, and some are just day students. But they are all presided over by this order of nuns. So in the school year of 1951, all kinds of things begin to happen. And these things mostly revolve around a small group of girls, one named Maud, another named Tildy, and the third is Chloe. And these girls have kind of a, yeah, I don't know, like a triangular friendship. Um, Claude, or Maud and Tildy were best friends. They had a falling out. Then Chloe moved to town and she sort of stepped right into the place that Maud had vacated at Tildy's side and just all sorts of interesting little dramas occur here. We also meet Kate Malloy who is a nun who has recently been transferred from a convent in Boston to this very gentrified um, North Carolina school and she's really struggling to adjust. She's also struggling to understand some of the customs and traditions of the school. Um, a lot of them are, are pretty antiquated. Um, this is not always a harmonious thing. Kate does 
butt heads with Mother Ravenel, who is in charge of the school. But slowly things begin to fall into place until the night of the school play. And when students begin to perform this play, all sorts of horrible things occur and lives are changed in unimaginable ways. So if you want to know in what ways they're changed, you'll have to pick it up. I love it. It is one of those books that you just sort of dive into. It has such a strong sense of time and place. Um, and if you enjoy kind of the whole um, convent school vibe, then this is a perfect book for you. This is Unfinished Desires, and it's by Gail Godwin. It sounds like a good book. I liked it. Sounds like a little bit out of my usual genres, but it sounds like one that could be pretty interesting. Yeah, you, I think you would enjoy it. Hi, everyone. The first book I'm going to talk about today that is um, based in a school is Vampire Academy, Vampire Academy number one by Rochelle Mead. It is a book largely about two friends, Lissa and Rose, who attend, as the title suggests, the Vampire Academy. And um, they navigate a world in which there are um, guardians and then there are these royal vampires. And um, Rose and Lissa have a very special connection. They have a mental bond that is very rare. And they share emotions. And um, they can even share dreams. And um, Rose and Lissa are, um, use this bond throughout the story. And it is one of the main plot points in the story. And so they go to the Vampire Academy. And they are navigating kind of, I guess, the usual ins and outs of high school um, and, you know, the different groups of people you might meet there, like the popular kids and, you know, who, who's, uh, and all the gossip that goes along with that. Meanwhile, they're juggling these really interesting, um, like, lives, especially Rose is trained to become Lissa's guardian. So she takes classes in combat in all sorts of history of vampires and it's a really um really interesting I guess curriculum <laughs> that they go through and so the main book is about I mean the main plot is about um how Lisa and Rose work together um to prevent I guess the the um darker side of vampires from colliding with Lissa, who was a very special vampire. Um, and if you want to know more how special she is, you'll have to read the book because I don't want to get into any spoiler territory, but it is a lovely um, book. It's a part of a series. And so once you read the first one, I think you'll be kind of um, strapped in for the whole series. So again, this book is Vampire Academy, Vampire Academy number one by Rochelle Mead. And um, I hope you enjoy it. I have never actually read anything by Rochelle Mead, or I've oh, never read her. this. I've never read this series, so I'm gonna definitely check it out. It's a really, it's a really good book. I I got into it very easily, and I don't like first person stories, so. 
Um, Rochelle Mead is remarkable. And I think one of the coolest things about this book is it has this lovely kind of forbidden romance. Yes. um, That is like woven through the story. Um, You also can follow some of these characters in a spinoff series, which is called Bloodlines, um, which I also very much enjoy. And Kristen is like a huge fan of the Vampire Academy world. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting series. So the first book that I'm going to talk about tonight is A Number in the Ashes, A Number in the Ashes, number one, by Saba Tahir. And this book takes place in a military academy. So our main character is Leia, and Leia is called a scholar. So they're broken down into different kind of I guess, classes within the society. So this, um, these books are based on kind of like a ancient Rome um, kind of a society. So Leia and her family, they, um, they're trying to live a quiet life. Um, they know that if they defy the empire that they could end up losing their lives as well as um, or even just losing everything that they hold dear. So they really try to live under the, um, kind of under the view of the empire. They really don't want to be seen. Um, but one day, Leia's brother is accused of treason. And so he is taken away by the empire. Leia gets away and she goes to um, some rebels. And she asked them for help because her parents were actually part of this rebel group back in the day. So she asks the rebels for assistance and they say that if they will help as long as she will go undercover as a spy into this military academy. So at the military academy, she works in the kitchens and we get to meet some of some really interesting characters that she works with. Um, But we also meet... Um, one of the academy students and his name is Elias and Elias is the top student or top soldier in the academy but also he is the commandant's um, son so he's being groomed to be the next emperor the problem is he secretly doesn't want this he he just wants to be free and so him and Leia they meet each other and they kind of develop a bit of a relationship and they try to help each other. And I'm going to leave it there, but um, there's four, there's going to be four books soon in the series. So far there's three and the fourth book comes out in December and I'm really, really looking forward to it. So it's a number in the ashes, a number in the ashes, number one by Saba Tahir. I love Love, love, Saba to hear. She is so excellent. I loved this series. So the first book I'm going to talk about, about schools, is Changeling, Sorcery and Society, book one, by Molly Harper, one of my favorite authors. Um, we know her more for being very humorous, comedy, urban fantasy type thing. And while these books have some of her humor, I think they're a little more serious. It's called Magic and Manners, book one. So this book is about a girl named Sarah Smith, and she is a snipe. 
Um, this is basically in this kind of world is like a, a servant to, you know, richer, more powerful beings that actually can, can do magic. So this is like a, she's basically a non-magic folk, kind of a muggle, I guess. <laughs> and um, she's perfectly content living her life um, as a snipe doing uh, the bidding of the people she serves, the Winter family. Until one day, she levitates Mrs. Winter's vase all over the place. And um, snipes are not supposed to have magic. And so this is bad. And it's even worse if the Winters are discovering to harbor somebody who is a snipe that has magic. Because I don't, I'm not going to spoil why, but... This is something in the society that is not permitted, and knowing that there's a snipe that has magical power could destroy the entire world order because this order was dictated during the Guardian's restoration. So Sarah takes a new identity, Cassandra Reed, and the Winters sponsor her as a distant family member and send her to an institute for ladies called uh, Miss Caswell's Magical Institute. Institute for the instruction of young ladies and so she takes on you know she goes from being a snipe to taking on this new persona she has to pretend that she's always had magic that she knows what she's doing and that she's just a distant cousin being sponsored by her family which is completely opposite of the way she grew up so I really really love this book because I love um how uh, Sarah or Cassandra doesn't know what she's doing and all the things that she gets into that she has to kind of explain away and also you know the secrecy the mystery the action and of course the you know the boarding school setting that we all love love to read about thank oh, you yes. Hogwarts <laughs> <laughs> so without spoiling this is Changeling Sorcery and Society Book one by Molly Harper. And I'm really, really excited for the next one. I haven't read one since last year. So hopefully we'll have a new one soon. I might check this out. I don't always love Molly Harper, but a magical boarding school, I could do that. For girls. Yes. I think you'll like it. So my next pick is one of my very favorite books of 2020. This is You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. And this is the story of Liz Lighty, who is one of the very few African-American students at her school. And she lives in this town where prom is like the biggest event of the year. If you think about like how much Texas schools love their football team, um, this is how much like Liz's school loves its prom. So prom is like this huge deal. And if you are the prom king or prom queen, you get this scholarship for college. And Liz's family is pretty poor. Um, but she's always thought that she would just like get financial aid and she would be able to go to college and she would eventually get to be a doctor. That's kind of her lifelong dream. However, her financial aid falls through. And this is a really big problem because now her whole future is at stake. 
So she decides that even though it's really, really unlikely that she would win because she's not popular, she does pretty much everything she can to kind of stay out of the spotlight, she decides that the only way to go forward is to try to become prom queen. So this then causes her to participate in all of these like school spirit activities that she really has like no use for. Um, she has to kind of come out of her shell a little bit and really make herself known to a lot of the people that she's just kind of like passed by throughout her high school career. And then there's Mac. Mac is the new girl in school and Liz finds herself really attracted to Mac. Um, she would like to have a relationship with her, but she also feels like that would kind of get in the way of all of her plans. And then there's this nifty little wrench thrown in when the school makes an announcement that if you are going to prom, you cannot go as a same-sex couple. Also, if you were born a boy, you have to wear a tux. If you're born a girl, you have to wear a dress. It doesn't matter how you identify. It matters like how you're born. And so this really bothers Liz, partly because, you know, she would like to take Mac to prom with her, but also just because on a moral and ethical level, like she feels, you know, it's, it's wrong to discriminate against people in this way. So not only is she trying to win this crown as prom queen so that she can move forward in her life plans, she's also trying to make some changes in the school in terms of how they view people's sexual orientation. So this was one of those books that's just delightful in every possible way. Um, it's a light kind of funny read in some ways, but it also has so many like underlying issues that are so poignant and well-written. Liz's relationship with her brother is, I think, one of the novel's many, many bright spots. I just loved everything about this. This is Johnson's debut, and I'm so excited to see what she'll come up with next. So this is You Should See Me in a Crown, and it's by Leah Johnson, and I love it. Sounds like another really good book. Oh, it's it so does. beautiful. It makes me so happy. The second book I'm going to talk about today is a honestly unique, really unique story. One of the most unique books I've read in a long time. It's um, the first in the Asiana series. Um, the first book is called Mark's Woman. It's by Raddy Mayotra. And, oh God. Okay, this book has everything I love in it. It has a little bit of science fiction, a little bit of romance, a little bit of coming of age, a mystery, some action. It's just amazing. So it follows the main character, Kira who um oh, she had your name yeah she does have my name not spelled the same <laughs> way but she yeah. has my name <laughs> and she is the um order of kali's youngest acolyte youngest um i guess assassin and the special thing about these um assassins is that they have telekinetic blades so basically their blade and them have like a relationship and one of the coolest things about this story or one of the most haunting things about this story is like the daggers and weapons, they all have like their own thoughts and their own auras kind of. And um, 
it just adds like a whole, like I said, very unique, like whole different element to actually get like the thoughts and like the, of what the weapon is saying, you know? So Kira comes from a um, really difficult past. Her whole family was killed. Um, and she, as a Marx woman, has renounced basically all earthly attachment. So including basically like a monk. <laughs> like, um, so really she's not supposed to harbor these feelings of um, anger and um, revenge, but she so does. And it haunts her in her dreams. And it's a main like through line of the story. And so Kira goes to this elite um, assassin academy, um, the Order of Kali, where she learns all sorts of different techniques of being a marshwoman, one of which is the inner voice, the inner voice. And um, she uh, gets the, um, it's like this telekinetic power that all of the marshwomen have, and it allows them, um, I guess control is the best way I can put it, to a limited extent over an opponent. So they're telekinetic, like, ninjas, basically. And there's a dark side to all of this. Um, so that is kind of like one of the back burner kind of plots. And um, uh, Kira has a um, all kinds of different relationships with different um, Marx women who teach at the academy. So she has her mentor, and her mentor is like horror. The Matimata is like um, the leader of the order, and that's kind of like her mentor, the woman who took her in. And then on the other side, there's the um, the master of um, like training. I guess is her name is Temsen, and Temsen has kind of a different take on the inner speech. I don't know, the inner speech is really what they're um, using. And, um, or the inner voice or the, their mind control, basically. And, um, long story short, something happens to the, um, to, um, Kira's mentor and she has to leave. And so, um, Kira has to leave. So she uses this like really kind of mysterious transport device to take her into the wild. Um, and she is trying to, I, she's trying to find proof that Temzin is trying to take over the Order of Kali. So on the other side of this, we have the only order of male assassins in the world, and they are from the Order of Kerr. And um, the main character on that side is a character named Reshton. And he is... Um, disillusioned I guess you could say with the order of Kerr because he was um he was tricked I guess into killing an innocent man by um the order of Kerr by the leaders who gave him some information that was not good that was a lie basically so the story picks up there with them you know, meeting, and it's got many different themes, like I said. It's kind of a, a one thing I like about the writing is that it's very personal, and it's very um, thought-provoking on, you get to see, like, both sides of the story, both sides of both Kira's perspective and Rushton's perspective, um, and it's, it's an excellent, excellent book. Once you start it, you're not going to want to put it down. 
And in fear of getting into any spoiler territory, I will stop there. But um, this is book one in the Asiana series. Um, the uh, title of the book is Mark's Woman Number One, and the title is Ratty Mayotra. So the next book that I'm going to talk about tonight is The Sea of Lost Girls by Carol Goodman. And this book takes place in a private uh, or prestigious boarding school. So um, our main character is named Tess, and she is married to a professor at the school, as well as teach, and she teaches there as well. Um, her son attends the school. His name is Rudy. And Rudy has had a bit of a difficult time with mental health, as well as some other difficulties, but he's doing a lot better since he uh, joined the school. Um, he's taking part in the school play. He's got a girlfriend. He's just, his life's going a lot better. So Tess is not as worried about Rudy. But one day, Rudy calls her at 2.50 in the morning. And we all know that calls at that time in the morning are not always good. They're really, no, actually probably never good. So Rudy asks her for assistance. Um, he wants her to come pick him up. So she goes and she picks him up and he's soaked. Like he's, he's, like he's been swimming or something. And he's also got a dark spot on his sweater. Um, well, the next day, the headmaster of Haywood, which is the school, she um, calls Tess and lets her know that Lilla Zellers, which is Rudy's girlfriend, has been found dead. And Ooh. she is found not too far from where Tess picked up Rudy. So, of course, Rudy is being questioned because, like, well, he's pretty involved, right? And also, to add to this, Tess's husband is being questioned. There's some questions about um, student-teacher relationships. And there's also, um, as Tess is getting, like, kind of, trying to figure all this out because her, her family is like being attacked from all sides. Right. So as she's trying to figure all this out, she realizes that this is not the first time that Haywood has had something bad happen. So she starts researching that situation. Um, it's a, a missing girl who goes, who went missing and stuff like that. Um, and to add to all this, Tess has a secret. And she really doesn't, like, she's been trying to hide it, and she wants it to stay a secret. But as she's learning, skeletons don't always stay in the closet. So this was a really, really good book. I really enjoyed it. I loved that it took place in coastal Maine. It really added to the atmosphere of the whole thing. And I just, I really liked the storyline. And I liked um, that it was, like, I think it really added to it that it took place in the school. So this is The Sea of Lost Girls by Carol Goodman. I don't think anybody writes spooky schools quite as well as Carol Goodman. Like she has several books that sort of have this type of setting. Um, the Lake of Dead Languages being my favorite. That, um, I, this is actually my first book of hers that I've read, but I have The Lake of Good, Dan uh, the Lake of Good Dead Languages. I actually have that book on my phone, so I'm looking forward to reading it sometime it's soon. so lovely. And Stacy really likes 
um, the Fairwick trilogy that Goodman wrote under a pseudonym, um, which is set at a like paranormal university. Oh, neat. So yes, there's lots of good Carol Goodman in your future. So my next book I'm going to talk about is an older novel, and it's a debut novel of this author named Curtis Sidenfeld. This book is called Prep. And it's a book that I picked up because it's about a girl, Lee Fiora, who comes from a good, happy, affectionate family and is seduced by a boarding school brochure called Alt, where she sees, you know, the boys in sweaters, the girls playing lacrosse. And, and it just seemed like such a cool, cool place to be. Now, those of us who grew up reading about Hogwarts would all be seduced by a brochure like that. And I remember when this book came out, I decided to read it because it was very relatable since, you know, I, I wanted my real life uh, boarding school, as I'm sure we all have. So Lee Fiara, when she's 14, um, she gets a scholarship to go to this school now this is a prestigious boarding school in massachusetts and um she's normally from south bend indiana so you know completely different world right and this book well it's basically a book that kind of follows her when she's you know her, her coming of age story i guess i would call it where we kind of follow her from what happens from the time that she uh, enters high school at this boarding school and how it changes her and how what it what it does for her life um, how her relationships with friends with teachers with people change and you know um, she soon learns that alt isn't everything that she, it, she thought it would be you know it's teenagers that are not you know, like her, she's from a middle-class suburban family. She's there on a scholarship. All these teenagers are rich. They're jaded. They spend their summers in Nantucket. They talk in shorthand. They already have their cliques. They've all grown up together, so they know who's who. And um, there are rules, some of which she knows and some of which are invisible. So it's very interested to see, interesting to see her dynamics um, with different people. Uh, this book also talks a lot about society class race gender and how that affects even our teenagers so this is prep by curtis sittenfeld i really really enjoyed it and i'm sure you will too it's been a long time since i read it um i just remember it being like very long and like a huge kind of slice of life book yeah, where like there's too no, <laughs> well, kind of, but like there's no like heavy action necessarily. You're not like necessarily, you know, glued to the page trying to figure out what's going to happen. But as mm -hmm. you're reading it, you do become pretty immersed in the story and definitely invested. Yeah. So it's not like you're, you know, action from page one. It's more a book that's going to make you think. So my last book tonight will take us a little bit into the science fiction realm. This is an older book. It's called Never Let Me Go, and it's by Kazuro Ishiguro. And this is the story of Kathy H. And Kathy grew up in this very posh 
sort of school. It's kind of a cross between like a school and an institution. And when I say institution, I mean that in all of the sort of negative ways that you would, would take that. So she's lived there like all of her life. She doesn't remember a time when she wasn't there. And all the students who are in this place have been there all of their lives. And so the idea is you, you stay there until you're an adult and then you go out into the world and you have very specific jobs that you're supposed to do. Because you see, all these people are clones and this is not a spoiler. Like this is something you find out really early on in the book that they are clones who were created to serve as organ donors for the upper classes, the upper echelons of society. So you graduate from these like academies where you're trained and then you become a carer or a nurse and you take care of other donors who have donated organs. And basically they just like keep taking organs from you until you die. So this is not a great situation. Like if you're one of these clones, um, it's not, not so good for you. And the thing is about Kathy, like she has known all of her life that she was intended to be an organ donor, but she feels like there's a lot of mystery that kind of surrounds like why this happens and how it happened. And who are the people who are cloned in order to create people like her? So in terms of like plot, this is not like a high action book. It's more of a book where Kathy is coming close to the end of her life. And she's like, her time as a carer is almost over. Pretty soon she's going to be preparing for her first donation. And she's kind of looking back at her life at the time that she spent behind the walls of this academy, the people who trained her, um, some of the people that she was friends with, who she later lost contact with. And she's just kind of like taking stock of her life. And as she does this, we see all the things that go into, into cloning and into keeping people alive. And some of these like essential questions that we have about clones. Like if you're a clone, do you have a soul? If you're a clone, are you truly human? And if you are human, like, does that mean that basic human rights are yours? So it's an intense read, um, not necessarily, like I said, an action-packed, like, edge-of-your-seat read, but really, really worth your time if you're looking for something different, but you still kind of want to savor that whole school-slash-academy setting. Um, so I've read this twice, um, once about... 12 years ago, and then again, just sort of in preparation for the episode to make sure that I actually remembered all of the salient points. So this is Never Let Me Go, and it is by Kazuro Ishiguro. Wow, I think that's going to be my next book. That sounds really interesting. Yes, if you get it. Um, I love get science it. fiction. Today, I will leave you with one of my all-time favorite series. It is The House of Night, and the first book in the series is what I'm going to be talking about today. It is called Marked, and that's by PC Cast and Kristen Cast, um, a mother-daughter duo. Um, so what can I say about House of Night? Oh, I just love this series. 
So Marked is about a 16-year-old um, high school student who is newly marked as a vampire. So that means she has a moon-shaped uh, crescent tattoo on her forehead. And um, this mark denotes the vampires of this world. And one of the most interesting things about, like, the vampire world in general is the visual aspects of, like, the tattoos that mark the full vampires versus the fledgling tattoos. And um, so um, Zoe is uh, enrolled, I guess you could say, in the House of Night and this is a school where she will learn how to become a full-fledged vampire and go through what's quote-unquote called the change. Um, so she takes classes at the school, there's school drama, um, and uh, the first book is getting to know the House of Night is basically how I like to describe it. So there's a group of friends that she has, Stevie Ray, who becomes her best friend, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. And um, the twins, um, uh, Shawnee and Aaron, and um, her uh, arch enemy, <laughs> um, her arch enemy who is um, Af um, Aphrodite, and uh, it's it's it follows a lot of this common like, I guess you could say high school tropes. Um, but with, with a completely different twist because they're all becoming vampires and they're all going through the change and, um, things of that nature. And so Zoe's enrolled in school, everything's going well. Um, but Zoe is not your typical, um, vampire fledgling. She has been specifically marked in, um, she's a special fledgling a vampire and she's been marked by the goddess Nyx who is the mother of vampires I guess you could call it and the mother of the house of night and this draws the attention of Neferet who is the beautiful um the terrifying <laughs> um headmistress of the school basically and um it's without too much spoilers. Um, Neferet is a through line throughout the whole um, story. And so if you're looking for co comedy and drama and a little bit of action here and there um, and friendship and all that kind of stuff, I would definitely recommend checking out the House of Night novels. They will, um, you will just read and read and read and, until you're, until you, um, you've caught up and you're sad. <laughs> Um, but again, this is House of Night marked number one by PC Cast and Kristen Cast. There are so many books in oh, the series. Oh, they, they get so long. I remember like some of the ones like uh, Chosen, I think that was one of them. Or Betrayed was definitely one of them, I think. And they used to get like 900, 1,000 pages long. Yeah, see, the ones that I've read, I'm not current, but the ones that I read were pretty short. And then I think I ran out of books, like there weren't any more at the time. And I just haven't picked them back up again. So I'm going to have to remedy that. I definitely that because... recommend that. I reread it recently and I was like, wow, I like love the series so much. I might, I think I want to keep going. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you should. They're so it's good. really good. They're really good. So my last book for tonight is The Deceivers 
Vale Hall, number one, by Kristen Simmons. And this book takes place in a school for con artists. And that makes me <laughs> that very is happy. That's super cool. I would yes. love to be, I think it'd be fun to be a con artist, but I think I'd also feel bad about it. I just have too many, too many moral, I guess too many morals. Um, so our main character is Bryn and Bryn has been invited to join this elite school called Vale Hall. And she thinks that this is the time when she's going to be able to like start new. She's going to be able to get away from her mother's boyfriend, who she's working for, and she's going to be able to get away from her rough neighborhood. This school is neat because it, um, it doesn't really recruit people based on their academic achievements. It, um, they recruit based on their, like, I guess hobbies or their um what's the word their extracurricular activities so um Bryn likes to con rich kids out of their allowances that's what that's what she enjoys doing which I think is so much fun so Bryn has been asked to help take down some like corrupt political officials and she thinks this is a really good job because she thinks that's why not get um get back at some of these like rich people and take them down right um but once she then she learns that her mark is the senator a senator's son and she realizes as she's working her working her mark she realizes that there's more to this story um, the headmaster, he's got some secrets and he really doesn't want anybody to know about them. Like he's, he's really trying to keep them close to the vest. And as she's working, she realizes that with there being more to the story, like, should she really be doing this? Like her morals start kind of coming out. And it's just, I love, love, love this book. Like you get to meet a lot of the students and they, they'll, some of them will play jokes on each other, which you can imagine would be a lot of fun with the school of con artists. And there's a bit of a romance. Um, and I think in the next book, you end up getting a little bit of a triangle. So that should be interesting. Um, so this is The Deceivers, Vale Hall, number one, by Kristen Simmons. And the next book is called Scammed. And then there's another book that comes out next year. So I can't remember offhand what it's called, but it, is, it looks good too. Yeah, this is, this is a very cool concept. I liked it. My last school book of the evening is probably my favorite. They're all great, but this is probably my favorite. It's by the wondrous, fabulous, marvelous Jennifer Estep, who we know for the uh for writing the big time series and the elemental assassin series which yes. is her adult series this is her young adult series and it's called mythos academy the first book is called first frost it's kind of like a prequel but today we're going to be talking about touch of frost mythos academy one and this book is about gwen frost and gwen has the gift of psychometry 
This means that she can touch something and see where it's been. Now, Gwen doesn't know that she has this gift, right? And so one day she's at PE and she's in a locker room and she asks to borrow her uh, classmate's hairbrush. She touches the hairbrush and realizes through the hairbrush's, I guess, story that this girl was being abused. Of course, Gwen being who she is, she reports it. And is essentially, because she reported this, her gift of psychometry was discovered by the wrong people. Turns out that her mother and her were in hiding from these people. And these people, you know, murder her mother. This is not spoiling, guys. This is all in the synopsis. So Gwen's life is completely uprooted. She has to move in with her grandmother. But not only that, she has been enrolled in an academy called Mythos Academy. Can you guess why? Hmm. Magic? Magic. Yes. And my favorite, magic and Greek mythology all in yes. one. So this academy is full of people that are supposed to be the pantheon of the gods. So anyway, she gets to the school and the school has, you know, it's very Greek mythology oriented. I mean, they, they have a library of magical artifacts and glass cases. They have talking weapons. I mean, there are Spartans. Well, those are the people that can get any instrument and kill you with it. Valkyries who like their hands are kind of full of electricity. And then there's Gwen who just has psychometry which she doesn't feel is a big deal. But then a mean girl is killed in the library and a bowl of tears, which is a really important magical artifact, is stolen. And, you know, normally Gwen has decided not to get involved in problems because look at what happened the last time. She got involved in something she, I guess, she got involved in something that was not her business. And, but she must get involved because it turns out that they killed the wrong girl. The girl they were supposed to kill was Gwen. So now she Oops. has to figure out why. Oops. So this is Mythos Academy by Jennifer Edstep. Or is it Estep? The first book is called First Frost. I think it's a prequel available for free anywhere. So you can try it out. See if you like it. And then book one is called Touch of Frost. You will not be disappointed. I love these books. The idea of Greek mythology with modern... I guess, with modern life and fighting on behalf, of, on behalf of the good gods against the god of chaos and all that stuff is just really cool. And there's now, I think, like a few books in a spinoff. Yes. And thank you for reminding me that I have to read uh, said spinoff. I haven't <laughs> read them either, so I don't know if they're like what they're like, but I did see them. So this brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to Kira, to Brooke, and to Natalia for sharing some fantastic books set in schools. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her editing that make these podcasts so much easier for all of you to listen to. And thank you so much to each and every one of you who has joined us as we have talked about the books that we love.
If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.